hi. <laughs> um, Lord, thank you for this time that you have provided for us to be together, to worship you, to sing praises to you, um, to contemplate your word. Um, I pray that you bless us with a deeper, richer understanding of your love. Amen. So this is uh, Advent Sunday number four, where we contemplate love, heading into the week where we contemplate love. And in John 17, 24, Jesus prays, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. So in contemplating and praying about love, thinking about this sermon this week, that thought um, from that verse is one I've been sitting with, that God's love precedes the foundation of the world. This verse from John kept coming to my mind, that God the Father and Spirit were dwelling in love from the beginning of this creation. And I started to wonder what implications that has for us and on our image bearing. If we bear God's image, and a, a loving relationship has been a fundamental part of God's nature from before the creation of the world, it makes sense that we have this longing to be loved and that we are constantly pouring out love. We might not always love the right things in the right way, that's true, but there is something in us that bears the pattern of love, um, the image of a creator who loves. And then in thinking about that word love, I was looking at definitions of the word in Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek, the nuances of how those words that we translate into the English word love are used. And one of the most helpful things I read was something a commentator said just jumped out at me. And he suggested that to define the word love, maybe the most actually helpful thing we could do is look at the life of Jesus. The way that Christ presented himself to us might be the best definition of love available. And by noticing how Jesus showed up as God and man, we might better understand the concept of love itself. So that's what I'm going to do here today, like a, a, a small practice of that, and invite us into it all week as we think about love in the scripture texts. Let's consider some of the ways that we see images of love in the life of Jesus, and some of the ways that the Bible records these moments of embodied love. So we're nearing the end of Advent, a season where we sit with this love story of a God who chooses to be with us in the flesh, who chooses to become human, a helpless baby, and to give us this image of a life that is love, a death that is love, and a resurrection that is love. So a few of the moments of embodied love in the life of Jesus. Um, sometimes when I think about love, you know, I think about the feeling or the emotion, and then if I don't have whatever feeling or emotion that I've assigned to love, I conclude that I must not be loving or that I must not be loved. And there are feelings and emotions that do indicate love. There's all kinds of forms of love for spouses or siblings or children or sunsets. And that's fantastic. The emotion is wonderful, but that feeling is not always there and it's not always accessible. And it's not the totality of what love is. Um, sometimes I think um, only about the part of love that is action, the choices that we make to seek the good of another over ourselves, and actions can absolutely be loving or unloving. And I want to be a person filled with loving emotions and actions. I also don't want to deny that actions can be an indicator of love. But what I've been thinking about this week is the other facets of what love is, of how it is embodied in the life of Christ, 
and hoping for a richer understanding of love that doesn't dismiss emotion or action, but adds depth to them. I think we can profitably choose any moment of Jesus's life described in the Gospels and learn something about love from it, but I'm just choosing three here. So the first image of love in the life of Jesus is at his very first coming, at his birth. We heard it from Aaron's reading. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And in Matthew 1, 23, um, describing the coming of Christ, the birth of Christ, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the first moment is God as an infant, that God in love became so with us that he inhabited the vulnerable body of an infant, a baby. This image of love shows a vulnerability and a partnership with humans that is breathtaking. It came as an infant that required the full care of other humans to survive. So if we bear God's image, then being helpless, weak, uh, interdependent, and vulnerable are not at all at odds with love. God is love, and God spent time in a state of humanity completely dependent. The presence of God's love did not require strength, ability, speech, or even adulthood to show love to us. So at our most dependent, at our weakest, we are not barred from love. The presence of God accepted care and help and experienced extreme dependence at the very beginning of a life marked by love. The second moment in the life of Jesus is is from Matthew 3. This chapter describes the ministry of John the Baptist. He calls, uh, so in this section, he's uh, calling people to repentance and he's prophesying another coming who will baptize with Holy Spirit and fire. And Jesus comes and asks to be baptized, but John protests. Um, he says, I should be baptized by you, not the other way around, because John knows he's not worthy of this. And Jesus tells him that this is proper for fulfilling righteousness. And John relents, baptizes Jesus. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So it's another picture of partnership with humans. And John recognizes he's unworthy to do this powerful thing, but Jesus participates in baptism with him, just like we are all invited to. And another thing that strikes me about this image of love is that last line from God, This is my Son, whom I love with whom I am well pleased. Because at this point in the Gospels, Jesus hasn't begun a public ministry. In each of the four Gospels, this baptism comes right after the birth or childhood stories of Jesus. And it comes before he's changed water into wine, um, before he's spoken to crowds, before he's performed healings. God loves his son and is well pleased before Christ gives his life, before he preaches to crowds. I mean, we know from other verses, it's before the foundations of time. His productivity and his actions are not involved in earning love. He is loved. He embodied love before this public ministry began, and he shows love in again participating in human life, in partnering and accepting baptism from John and blessing from God. So Jesus gives us not only the big story of his laying down his life, dying for us, and being resurrected, but before all does that, he gives us this example of being loved. So living a life in imitation of Christ includes that accepting of being loved by God. 
Uh, The third moment in the life of Christ that I'll read is John 12. This story comes after the triumphal entry, after Christ predicts his death and has performed signs and wonders and healings. This is the last episode of speaking to a public crowd. So it's right before the Passover dinner. Christ speaks much after this to his disciples and to people involved in the crucifixion, but this is the last, like, speaking to a crowd that we see. Um, Some translations, so it's going to say that Jesus cried out, and some translations use that phrase, cried out, and some say shouted. So Jesus shouted or cried out these last words as a message to the crowd, and I I like emphasizing that the, the volume attached to that. So John 12, 44 through 50. Jesus cried out, The one who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And the one who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and doesn't keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and doesn't receive my sayings has this as his judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on that last day. For I have not spoken on my own, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a command to say everything I have said. I know that his command is eternal life. So the things that I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. So John in particular is filled with references to light, and we heard that in the reading today too. Um, And we think about it as we light the candles. Christ as light shining in the darkness, helping us to see. And when I think of this passage in terms of how it images love, I think about how Christ shouted to the world these words about being light so that anyone who believes in him would not remain in darkness. So love here is shouting out to invite sight, to invite eternal life, and echoing the words of the Father. And we get to echo this too. We can receive the love that Christ offers here to believe in him, to be saved from darkness to eternal life. We can also bear witness through our image bearing and cry out, maybe literally, maybe metaphorically, or both, the story of Jesus and salvation he offers, the way that he points to his Father, God. And love is an offer to us and an example. So Christ invites us to believe in him, and he shows us his connection with the Father, that he is speaking just as the Father told him. Reading this pulls a prayer from me that we might learn how to cry out with our own lives, the light of Christ. So Jesus showed love partnering with humans, enduring the vulnerability of infancy in the care of his human parents, in being baptized by John who knew he wasn't worthy of the act. Jesus also loves us by showing us partnership with God. He accepts God's love. He speaks God's words. As we read the Advent text this week, I invite us all to think about love and about what looking at the life of Christ might clarify or enrich in the definition of love. Also how we as image bearers might better imitate the life of Christ and grow in our ability to love and receive love. Bless you, grace and mercy.